Eric Wall on mental agility and arts purpose. This is beyond automation. Join us as Eric Wall, renowned artist and speaker, discusses the role, the vital role of mental agility in education and the unique purpose of art. Learn how mental agility can keep us relevant in an AI-driven world and how art provides a counterpoint to automation by stimulating thought and fostering human connections. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, where you're about to go on a wellness-driven ride. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Let me share a little bit about the guests that we have today. Eric Wall, an internationally acclaimed artist, TED speaker, and best-selling author, is known for his captivating keynotes, emphasizing embracing creativity and risk in business disruption. His groundbreaking books, The Spark and the Grind and Unthink, are heralded for their actionable insights on implementing creative ideas. Also a graffiti artist while fundraises for charities through his art. His impressive client roster includes AT&T, Disney, and Microsoft. I am so pleased to welcome Mr. Eric Wall. Hi, right. well, thank you for the opportunity. Looking forward to, to dialoguing and chatting with you. Yes, I'm so excited to have you here on the Wellness Driven Life Show. It's truly an honor. You do some awesome stuff out there in the world. So this is going to be exciting. I love the discussion of creativity and how it really opens us up and broadens our perspective and how it helps our performance on so many levels. So this is a leap fun. And that said, let's let the audience know a little bit more about you. Sure thing. So I... Um... I'm an artist and I've been on the keynote lecture circuit or the corporate lecture circuit. I travel around the world and I get to open up conferences on a high note. So kind of really a, a higher gun to keynote conferences and, and open them up on, on a higher level. And so I actually perform on stage. I both talk about the process of creativity, what limits us as well as what uh, greases the wheels to move us forward. But as I'm doing that, I'll create live paintings and usually of, iconic figures uh, choreographed to music and video. And there's a lot of production that is put into that portion that complete the paintings in about three minutes live in front of the audience and then use that as the catalyst to run into my presentation. 
on the back end. I've made several points about innovation, creativity, human connection, um, how we move forward um, to reach our most creative, innovative, productive self. And the audience thinks it's all going a particular direction after I'm working on that second canvas. And then at the conclusion of my show, I, music comes back on, videos comes back on, connects the whole, what we've been talking about. And the audience feels, because they're anticipating, like they know where this final painting is going to go. At what point, I turn the entire painting upside down to reveal an entirely different portrait than they were expecting. And for me, that's the aha. That's where it's get the jaws dropping in the audience. And that's the the moment, the wow moment where I said that creativity is seen with the rest of the world around us physically sees, yet thinking like no one has ever thought before. And so that's what I'm doing is I'm I'm using everyone as as an opportunity, as a catalyst to open up their own minds to a higher level of consciousness, higher level of problem solving that we all have access to, but in a lot of ways it's been learned out of us by our education model, Victorian system, uh, even dating back to the to the Renaissance period, uh, where we were given beautiful things like the Enlightenment. We were given great education, great healthcare, many many wonderful elements that came from the uh, Enlightenment period, but mm -hmm. we lost a bit of our human spirituality, a bit of our human connection that intrinsically we were built or designed to have. And so I'm re-reminding everyone of their creativity, their spirituality, um, their inner goodness of creation, and then how to unlock that in the year 2023 and 2024 when everything feels increasingly automated, increasingly artificially intelligent, um, increasingly like it's a deep fate. Our eyes have been, you know, I'll see it when I believe it. That's no longer going to be possible because uh, deep fakes, deep AI will be able to create images that feel to our mind as though they're real. And so it's going to be incumbent on, on us to almost perceive our perception of reality, um, our perception of being human um, through our own mind and not allow the exterior stimuli to define how we are feeling inside. So uh, it's really, I've been speaking for 20 years on the the lecture circuit, and I've, I've really enjoyed the process, the performing, uh, the travel, the different cities, the different companies, the different cultures. Um, but now I, I feel as alive and impassioned as I've ever been because the world is moving so fast. So it's coming into my wheelhouse. There's a lot of people who are scared a little bit about what's happening in the world, and, and rightly so. There's a lot of uncertainty. Uh, but I also remind everyone that growth and comfort can't coexist. So as we as we look to grow, as we look to evolve, as we look to thrive, it's going to take some degree of discomfort on our part to be able to create new environments and situations of healing and spirituality and connection and love and, you know, in business profitability, differentiation from the competition. All of those things are connected in a really beautiful harmonic way. Uh, and that's what I like to be able to share. It's not either or, it's yes and. So yeah. uh, that's what I that's what I do for a living. Wow, Eric, you are so packed full of energy. I just love it. And it makes so much sense to me while why you are so um why people seek you out to really have you on their stage to impact their audience because you bring to light so much. You are so engaging. And I have always appreciated that the most when I see a speaker on stage where they truly are engaging in such a way and entertaining 
in a lot of, um, in any capacity that they're able to. And you do it in such a beautiful way where you're, you're shifting the perspective when you flip over that canvas and you're like, now we get to look at it in a different way. And so I think that, like you said, it's really opening people's minds to a, a, a greater sense and different ideas and what are other possibilities. And, and we need that in order to grow and expand. And you're 100% where we, we cannot experience growth uh, in a comfortable setting, can we? We have to be able to experience something that is uncomfortable. And so also what I heard so much about what you said was that you know, there was this time period in history where we were more connected and we have kind of lost touch of that. And I think, like you said, too, it's so much of that community piece where we can come together and be connected. Now, when we go into art and creativity, how does that have a, a play in this where people can step into their uh, being more open-minded and stepping into the unknown and kind of lessening that fear point? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I talk about the purpose of art and contrary to popular belief, or what we've been told, I, I, art is not about producing a finished product, but rather art is about producing thinking, dynamic thinking, game-changing thinking, the kind of thinking that you know wakes up our mind shakes up our brain cells to be able to unlock intellectual curiosity. So the finished product of art is irrelevant for unlocking the potential for expanded consciousness. In fact, it becomes maybe an inhibitor because we then judge our own artwork, the voice of judgment, comparison, the thief of joy, what we maybe had in our mind set up that we were trying to paint or photograph or cook doesn't turn out quite like we had planned. But the process of art is like exercise for our mind. And if, when we go to the gym, we work out, we want to be pushed, we want to break a sweat, we want to breathe hard because we know that's when we're starting to gain traction to become additionally physically fit, um, fit beyond where we were when we entered the gym that day. So for art, realizing that we're going to be not technically physically fit, we're not going to be artistically fit, we're not going to feel comfortable when we've expanded our consciousness into thoughts that we haven't been familiar with. But that's the process, that's the, the delicious agony of the work of enjoying the, the process of creativity and unlocking our, our mind into different potential possibilities. And so that's why I, I tell people who are at the beginning of this process, who really maybe haven't painted or danced or sang or played music, you know, in 20 or 30 years, because, you know, they remember doing it as a kid because their parents encouraged them to, um, I really give them that permission slip back to go back and, and tap into that uh, person, that childlike fascination and imagination that you had. But when you do it, I tell them paint for the trash can, create um, music as if no one's listening. So you're really just through that process. If you happen to create something that you feel like, wow, this was really good, this surprised me, then you can work those negotiations back. You know, well, I, I'm not gonna throw this one away because I wanna show my husband, my wife, my friend, my son, I wanna show them this. But for the most part, I encourage them to paint and then throw it away so that their voice of judgment doesn't stop them from that process of exercising their their mind, which is the most important part of this. And the more difficult it is to stand in front of a blank 
piece of paper, a blank canvas. It's usually because that's how logical we have become. We've been kind of conditioned and programmed to be memorization machines of you know automatic output that whoever remembers the dates and names, um, the molecules, the anatomy, the history, those people who can retain that knowledge the best have been the ones who scored the best in school up to this point. However, now, at a time where we hold the remote control to the future in the palm of our hand, any question doesn't need to be memorized. We've got it right here. So that's where we're in dangerous ground of being uh, disintermediated out of the loop because we can't think as fast as algorithms. Mm. We're humanly trapped in how we can retain knowledge. So rather than reinvent the wheel, I encourage people to use this as an augmentation, but then step into creative designs around it. And particularly in something like ChatGPT, we're concerned what's gonna, that gonna mean for the future of you know, writing essays, writing presentations, writing music. And I liken it to a calculator that we had for math. We learned the fundamentals of math in early second, third, fourth grade, long division, derivatives, a lot of those challenges. But then we were given a calculator and really never needed to know exactly how those things were done because done within a couple of punches of the finger. Um, automation in spell check on our computers. Um, we don't need to know spelling as exact as we did when we were in grade school because we've got a little helping hand. And that's really going to be what the future of automation and artificial intelligence is going to be. It's going to be an augmentation, but to not be overwhelmed by it, to be able to use it as a tool uh, as opposed to it using us and scaring us. And so I've been banging my drum um, particularly aggressively uh, since you know post-pandemic because we've watched this grow and cause us great fear and we will need to regulate it somehow. Um, it's not regulated, so it still retains a good portion of that concern or anxiety around it. Yeah. But that's what we'll need to do is get our head around this, use it creatively before we allow it to use us and displace us. So there's a lot of exciting things going on right now, which is why I'm more passionate about things, yeah. even like the art, to counterbalance automation, to keep us human, to connect us to emotion, connect us mm. to joy, connect us to suffering, connect us to life, connect us to passing of loved ones. So many things that are organically and naturally a part of our life. I want to help us get back in touch with and not be fearful of it, but to include it in a yes and connection to automation. Yeah. Well, doing all of those things certainly raises the vibration. You know, my husband and I love to go out dancing on the weekends, shake off all of the, the work week, you know, and it really just helps resets us and uh, build up that exciting energy of really being human and living to our fullest potential. And so I like that you brought that in. It's, it's through art, it's through writing, it's whatever way we're able to create and and feel that connection that we have with the world with life itself and you know it's it's very interesting when we talk about ai and how exciting it is and how fast paced the world is going and yes there's a lot of fear that uh is is entangled with that when you have a discussion around it i i can use it a lot for doing the things that i do as an entrepreneur so it, it excites me in many ways and but when we talk about Eric uh, using AI and also 
being able to show up in a way and, and use it for our creativity and, and in alignment with it and grow with it. And of course, not to the capacity or momentum that it is going. However, what's a good way to flow with it? As you were speaking of that, it makes my mind think of well, what ways can we utilize that? And it makes me think about how when we start using it for the benefit of improving. And you talked about throwing away your art when you're done. So you're not dwelling on it. And when you do that, it invites you to create more. And it's this continuous creative process that you are inviting into your life. And I liken that to AI because Everything is so fast paced and it's creating at such a rapid space and then it's throwing it away and recreating, throwing it away, recreating. And you're inviting us to maybe do the same. Yes, very much so. And that's, that's a great way to put it. And it's um, art in a lot of ways. And one of the reasons why I enjoy street art so much is because it's in a constant state of flux. It's constantly moving. It wasn't intended to be memorialized in a museum uh, forever. We wanted to be able to create art that is always moving, dynamic, has different elements of what's currently going on, has a lot of um, language around us. You know, the, the words of the prophets are written on the subway walls and tenement halls. That is how we kind of have captured our history. And, and uh, even just the term graffiti or street art, it's kind of been hijacked in the last 100 years as being criminalized or meant as vandalism. There's a lot of anger or destruction that takes place around us. But this is something we've been doing our entire human existence. This is how we used to capture our story on cave walls, share, yeah. you know, how are we going to hunt or trap or pick our next meal? How do we start fire? What are the meaningful elements of our tribe, our culture that we want to pass on to the next generation? So we would scratch those into the walls. And that's the original graffiti. So a lot of what I'm doing is changing that perception and reconnecting us to our most human self and then using those tools um, that aren't, aren't meant to be up forever. They're meant to stimulate and provoke thought. And at its core, that's what art does is art evokes thought. And yeah. that's the purpose of it. And that's what I try and encourage people to be not a finished product, but rather that that exercise. I, I wanted to also say as an example, um, several things that I do before noon uh, every day is I uh, exercise. So I will, will run to increase my cardiovascular fitness. I will do my spirituality, meditation, devotions every day to keep my spiritual life alive and connected as I'm about to go through the course of my day, which may be very challenging or very hectic, but I will always include that as part of my day. I will also write or paint um, every single day as an effort to kind of keep those elements of my problem solving abilities so that I'm able to navigate ambiguity or master complexity as it comes to me in any different shape or form throughout the day. Um, my wife of 29 years and I, her name's Tasha, uh, we spend the mornings together and it's almost we create it as that is our church. It's the opening of our house as our temple, that anyone who comes through our doors, really anyone that comes through, um, they're going to be part of our healing, our nurturing experience, our giving. Um, and so we've brought this notion of 
synagogue or chapel or church or quiet time into our physical house. And that's what we've committed ourselves to. And that's really quite unpredictable what's going to come in through our doors. But that's what we've been dedicated to do. And that's um, kind of our mission statement that we set up at the beginning of the day by doing all of these different spiritual, physical, relational um, elements of our life to get us ready for the second half of the day um, to help get us through it and help us to be awake towards opportunities to share and love and either shiva Mm -hmm. or suffer with others, to be guiders, to be sounding boards. Um, This is the the second half of, of our life. I'm 53, my wife's 53. And so we had a a wonderful run of, um, I, I guess we'd call it success or human success that was fantastic. We enjoyed it, but that just doesn't serve us in the same way that makes us feel whole. So there's a fridge we move from success to significance. And that's part of what we do each day to set ourselves up for spontaneous significance, unplanned, uncalculated significance, mm-hmm. and hope, help us to be open to a, a concept um, that we've learned is called mondo or deep listening, um, unbiased listening, un, um, un, yeah, I guess unbiased listening would be the, the Unex- like no expectations, no expectations, what you're going to hear it's just deeply. What is this person? What's important to them? Why are they sharing this? And why is it important for me to listen and withhold my interjections or what mm. I think about the situation and just be open to holding and hearing everything that they have to to say. So yeah, Mondo is one uh, that we've been made aware of. So that's part of our day experience, part of our uh, healing experience, part of our household church experience. Beautiful. I love that you share that. Thank you so much. I often ask my guests, what is it that you do? You know, especially Eric, because you are traveling the world and you are surrounding yourself around so many different energies. And so as you know, we branch out in our journey into the world and we communicate with others, all of those things kind of come to the forefront of how do we maintain uh, our best selves when we are in a midst of so many different people and energies and, and all of the things without those expectations and without the, uh, the idea of, uh, oh, now I'm losing my words, but just the judgment mm-hmm. of, of whatever it is. So it sounds to me like you have really honed in on so many different uh, ideas and thoughts and perspectives of being in the present, being in the now. And you're describing that through how you guide people with the writings and the arts and the creativity and to to not keep it around in order to, to bring in something new. And... Um, be open to just having it for the present moment, to being with others in the present moment. And so I, I think that that is incredible that you share that. I also loved the the church aspect of the home and whoever steps into, into your world, into your realm, you know, they get to experience that as well. We've, we've been increasingly concerned over the course of the last um, 15 plus years on the direction of religion, um, in, as a whole, the dogma, the, Mm. the way we use it as a tool to protect and defend what we value most in our personal egoic lives. And so I, I spent, um, a, a 
non-trivial amount of time being frustrated and angry and um, lashing out, uh, particularly, not lashing out, but um, the three Abrahamic religions, Judaism, Muslim, and Christianity, the warring religions, the ones that have shed so much blood over the course of history about ideologies and their own particular interpretation of their dogma. And so a lot of this process has, has been for me to let go of that anger um, mm. because we are tribal individuals. We look for connections and oftentimes they've been handed down from our parents, our grandparents, and they serve a very valuable purpose in, in creating that initial structure for how we take in life, hopefully from a grace and mercy and kindness and love perspective. But then now how do we give that back out in a way that's actionable and not judgmental. So um, love is the absence of judgment. How do we become increasingly filled with that love? And how do we share that love in a way that is inclusive to everybody, um, that extends to everybody, that we just kind of emit those feelings? So we, the reason why we've pulled it down to our house is to help us be the change that we want to see in the world. So what do we wish were happening in Ukraine? What do we wish was happening in the Middle East? What do we wish was happening through any of these genocides and violence and, you know, the Catholics and the Protestants several hundred years ago? You know, we kind of ask ourselves, who, who won, the Catholics or the Protestants? And it's irrelevant, even though that was, you know, thousands and hundreds of thousands of people lost their lives because of that difference that doesn't even mean anything to us today. Um, so trying to break down religion, but lift up spirituality, lift up our connection with our creator, because how we treat creation is ultimately how we feel about our creator. So the more we take care of the environment, uh, mother nature, our community, our families, our neighbors, um, you know, to, to love others as we would love ourselves. There's so much great um, scripture in all of the books of religion that if we can use those as the core, we're, we're really in a very effective tool. It's when we use those to build walls and silos and um, manipulate and war against others is where I think we've really become misguided with mm. what our um, spirituality can be. So I've seen religion overtake our spirituality in a lot of instances. And I just, I, I don't think that should be quite like that because spirituality is a connection with our higher power. It is a connection with our creator. And it really is foundational to who we are as, as humans. Yeah. And so it's become very popular to, to diss on church. And I get it. I've been doing it um, because it hasn't filled the buckets anymore. But to be able to keep the meat and throw away the bones, there's a lot of valuable elements in all of these religions to be able to coexist and then work with each other in kind of a fun, engaging way to how are we interpreting this life of love and connection and humanity and art and um, just so much beauty in the world that gets left by the wayside because we've become dogmatic, we've become automated, we've become on a, almost kind of a lizard brain. When we hear this stimulus coming in, that's our, you know, intent yeah. to stop that, to take a, you know, this is our, this is our mountain that we're willing to die on, um, yeah. whatever cause it is. And I just think that those, those mountains might be individually important. And I encourage everyone to have their own personal beliefs, 
but to get angry, to war, or demand that other people are a part of our paradigm really is not a good expression of our own personal spirituality. And you, you've been talking about the power mm. of now. I'm sure many of your listeners are familiar with Eckhart Tolle's book on the power of now. Yeah. That's such a great, simple read to be able to take this in. Thich Nhat Hanh, who recently passed away, very, very um, influential on this concept of mindfulness, being fully present in the moment, not weighted down by the past or overwhelmed by the future, but to be in this moment and to love these people around us is the highest and best use of our calling of being human. And so, yeah, that's probably a lot for an artist to to share, um, particularly in um, kind of rebellious formats like graffiti, like street art, but art, like I said, is intended to evoke thought. So how can I use art to expand consciousness? And then in my presentations in my book, how do I encourage others to tap into that same kind of um, personal enlightenment? It's not going woke. It's not um, some phrase that has become contentious, but it, it is being aware of this moment right now and not being overcome or overwhelmed with the, the negativity, the uncertainty that's been going on around us. Right. Well, Eric, I don't think it, that it's too much for an artist. In fact, I would say that people who are more uh, engaged in the creative self, whether it's art, music, all of those creative avenues that they are more tapped in with the the spiritual aspect of life and that's why you're so passionate about sharing that because you're very aware of that fact and spirituality is it's vital it's essential it's it's who we are as as human beings and so it's it's essential to our overall well-being and and really being the the human beings that we were born to be in uh, the purest form so what I, I've heard so much. It's, I can't even keep up with you, Eric, because I have all these thoughts in between and I'm like, oh, I want to touch on that. And I, I just, I love so much that you have all of this insight and wisdom. And I wanted to go back to a comment that you made about how we view, uh, oh my gosh, you might have to remind me, but it was something about how we view uh, creation is how we view the creator. How we, yeah, how we treat creation. How we treat creation is, is how, how we, we feel about our creator. Yes. Yeah. And I just, I, I wanted to say that one more time because I think it's brilliant. First off, I really love the, the perception of that because it really shines a big light on, on thinking about, oh, well, how am I showing up? Right. And, and it, it is not an easy place to get to where we, we can live in this idea of uh, accepting and listening to someone and, and just listening uh, objectively because we have so many different uh, ideas and thoughts and belief systems ingrained in us so deeply that it's, it's challenging to come out of that. And and what you're saying, I think, is is creativity is really an avenue, a beginning to 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 growing and accessing that different way of showing up. It, it's fundamental to our consciousness, and so without creativity, um, we do we, we're naturally going to migrate towards data through 
to automation to become more and more operationally efficient. That's kind of what's worked for the last 100 years, especially since we have um, taken on this uh, Victorian model for what education is supposed to supposed to be. Uh, sorry, I think I was about to lose power. Let me see. One more. Sorry, April, one more. No worries. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, you know, creativity has to uh, solve itself on the fly. Too. It was, it was flashing me, telling me we were about to be out of business. But uh, I was able to plug it back in and, and right. save our our momentum. Uh, but I wanted to. I was talking about our Victorian model educational system, where children migrate towards that which they're affirmed for. So early on. We're affirmed for getting 20 out of 20 on our spelling test. We're affirmed for knocking out the science questions, the um, history questions. And so those who were able to memorize the most effectively advanced in school and moved up and up and on. And that's kind of how we've created levels of success is based on our memorization power, which now in automation is no longer relevant. So all of the degrees that our generation worked so hard, slaved so hard to achieve are not worth nearly as much anymore because we've, we've got it now in the palm of, yeah. of our hand. Yeah. But to now be able to use this as an augmented tool, um, to not disconnect from all of life and just let this do everything, I feel like that's very dangerous. But to use it as a team of, of editors, we can put our, our work, our sales scripts, maybe a a speaking at a friend's or sister or brother's wedding, um, you're able to put into something like chat GPT and you get some good feedback. No, I, I want to be funnier. No, I want to talk a little bit more about what my sister meant to me when we were seven and we used to play in the mm. stream together. So you can continue cueing it to give you better feedback on your already very creative or clever mm. idea. And this can be done in so many ways and can be automated. Can I pause you on that? Because I, I want to highlight that again, Eric, because I think that when we start utilizing AI as that tool, right, as the tool to really guide us uh, in, in this beautiful, soft way where we're not yet there, right? We're not yet evolved enough to be able to respond to somebody in this higher way, because because we're just not there, right? So you can utilize AI just for that, like you're saying, ChatGPT. You know, I want to be able to uh, to show my sibling this is how I care, but I'm not quite sure how to put it into words. Or let's venture off into the business arena, and you have a coworker or a boss that you you're really butting heads with, right? Let's just say it really lightly. Mm -hmm. And you, you want to respond like in this, this, this way, you want to tell them really what you think, but that's not the professional thing to do. Right. So being able to ask, you know, something to be able to help you and assist you in communication in a great way is, is so beautiful, I feel. And because it's doing that for you, and then you see a different way of communicating with somebody else, then you're starting to think different, 
deeply uh, about your responses outside of it. Then at that point, then we have we have a tool to open up our mind and expand our consciousness and to become yeah. more spiritual, to get more data on what our forefathers have had on this particular concept. So it's, it really is an incredible tool. And I, I, one thing that I do make clear is, is artificial intelligence, um, it's not good or bad, it just is. But how we use it can be both very good and it can also be very bad. Uh, a credit card, it's not good or bad, it just is. But how we use that credit card can be very good, very advantageous. It can also be very bad or very destructive. We need to learn how to use it. In the advent of the telephone, Alexander Graham Bell, there was there was a lot of concern that this new form of communication, people weren't going to go over and visit people's houses anymore. They were just going to talk on the telephone and we we're going to lose some of our humanity. Well, we might have in that particular paradigm back in the early 1900s, but we've also found new ways to go deeper. That happened again with the internet, you know, reading newspapers is, you know, well, I like, you know, going down to the store and putting my 25 cents and getting the, the hard copy newspaper and reading it like my dad did. Yeah, there's some nostalgia in that, but it's far more efficient for me to just log on and quickly read notes from all over the world and what's going on in current events, of course, in an unbiased fashion, getting the sources are important to me, how I go about doing that. Um, but using tools to our advantage, um, you know, I, I was um, talking about spell check before. Who's who's going to be the first to remove spell check off of their Word documents or texting? You know, no, I need that now. So that is one element of AI that I want to keep as part of my being. You know, Siri maps directions. I really yeah. appreciate that part of AI, and I don't want to give that up. So, how can I use these tools for the betterment? and not become overcome with them where just life becomes the brave new world. The Aldous Huxley kind of thought that we just become drones um, and maybe those drones become more efficient than we as humans ever could because we're just not that smart. We're too emotional. We experience suffering and pain and that's just not very logical if efficiency is the end result at the expense of everything else. So the other reason why I really encourage the arts is because it keeps us in touch with our humanity, with our spirituality, with all of the goodness of both the joys and the suffering of life. Suffering is a part of life and it's for us to learn from experience, give us empathy, accept other people's love. Um, there's just a lot of really valuable elements to suffering that um, are not comfortable, but they're really, really healthy for us to experience and to become resilient or to help others become resilient for their um, traumas or sufferings. Mm, well, it certainly helps to be able to relate to others when they're experiencing suffering, right? If we, if, if we didn't go through it ourselves, then it would be very difficult to be able to to hold them in that space. And Eric, I love so much how vulnerable you've been. Thank you very much for that because you, I, I appreciate so much when my guests really describe, you know, ways of being that, that they didn't really care for, but they're acknowledging because that's part of being human. We don't always show up, uh, you know, in this, this great, perfect higher self that we would love to be able to say that we have and do right. Mm -hmm. And, but it, again, it's because of that, that is how we know it's the yin and the yang, the light and the dark. We wouldn't know otherwise if we didn't have those experiences. That's where, um, 
Buddhism and many of the Eastern religions have been very, they've laid out very well kind of this, this idea of the way. It's a spirituality of including yes and, not either or. It's not dualistic. It's not binary. It's not um, tribal or warring. It's as though we're all connected. All of these things are important, um, including other people's opinions, including um, suffering, darkness, uh, pain, health. All of those things are part of what make us human. And, and we actually don't typically even our, our potential to open up as a full human is not possible until we have suffered ourselves and suffered deeply. And I, I know that's hard for people to hear. We don't like suffering. Um, but those, those moments of trauma and great loss um, is usually what opens us to a new way of, of knowing. And we usually only find new ways through great love or great loss. And I wish it was more common through great love, um, but it's, it's much more common through suffering or great loss, which is why I try and not run from it hold it in all of its pain, all of its darkness, all of its brokenness, mm. and realize that this this has something to teach me. I'm not going to know it right now. It hurts too bad. Mm. But I need to just um, sit with this and realize life will never be the same as it was. Yeah. But I don't think it was intended to be. Now we have new notions that we're aware of, a new set of consciousness, a new way to maybe help or aid others, a new way, a, you know, a group that we need to now become um, a part of. If it's you know recovery, if it is healing, in whatever way, that's now our next mission is to get through the next day. We're, we're in so much pain for the trauma that just happened in our life. It's almost too painful to go on. But if we can make that step and make it through that day, tomorrow's a new day. And hopefully we find new ways to come alive again, to see beauty again. Um, it usually happens when we're able to share with someone else who's going through a similar experience, similar trauma, that we're able to kind of just walk arm in arm and build lock arms with our, our team and tribes around us to overcome suffering and learn how to be whole and love and fully present once again. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You said so many great things there, Eric. And when we go through these things, I, I like that you brought up that it hurts too bad right now. I am unable to understand it. And we've all been there. And to make it through the next day, uh, Philip Kuntz is a, a Navy SEAL who has been on the show before. And he liked to say, just make it to the next meal. And, and then it's not this, this longer expectancy to, to try to make it to the next day because sometimes even that feels so hard. So, you know, you can lessen it down too, or just, but knowing that it's like you said, it's not supposed to, to stay the same. And, you know, life as we know, knew it, know it is not supposed to be that way and stay the same. The only constant is change itself. So that's to be expected. And so, you know, as we enter into these, uh, in the U.S. anyway, these holiday seasons and where statistically going into them and into January, it is some of the darkest times for us. For whatever reason, we go into a depression and, and it's for many, many, many people. And, you know, uh, arguing is higher, divorce rate is higher. And so to have this understanding on the forefront, I feel can be extraordinarily helpful because we're, we're not taught that we're just 
taught to maybe endure or this and that. But I think that when we have this greater understanding of that, this is part of the journey, this is part of our, our human growth and our personal evolution, then, uh, you know, I, for me, it helps to have an understanding of that. It, it does for me also, um, I like to use gratitude in that same sentence, you know, as we, as we are moving into a time or this holiday season, um, family is, is messy. Um, there've been a lot of things that have been said and been done. There's a lot of polarizations, um, language and topics has become very divisive. It's hard to even talk about things in the world that's going on without people becoming very offended or angry or pushed back. And our families, uh, more than anything else, for whatever reason, is where we feel like we need to be right or we need to express our views or how can I show the rest of my family the proper way to view this challenge and not where they've been stuck or being detrimental to themselves and others. But that this is, uh, you know, these upcoming holidays um, are just going to be a, a time to hold space, to realize that, man, I haven't um, performed particularly well in this environment in the past with this particular uncle or nephew or grandparent of mine. There's been a lot of friction is to try and go into that space maybe this year and, and hold it without um, lashing back right away. You know, feel the, the pain or the hurt for uh, the comment that was just said. But to sit with that and to not allow it to be as offensive as it maybe has been in the past and maybe use this holiday season as a, a you know, small laboratory environment, um, a small mini silo for us to practice some of these skills of being fully present. And there's also so much gratitude that I think we mm -hmm. should have that gets pushed by the wayside because of how toxic things are and just the fact that we can get together as families. We're not in a war-torn country right now. There's not death looming just outside death's door. We have food to eat. We have loved ones to laugh with. Those are tremendously um, great and luxurious freedoms that not everyone in the world has. Mm -hmm. And to be able to, to reflect on that will maybe make us less toxic in the things that we feel like we um, want or could be sharing up in this coming this coming holiday, it won't, it won't change the trauma that's taken place, but hopefully our response might be just, just a bit more loving than it was the last time. And if we do that, then, then we win for ourselves and for the whole family. Yeah. You know, it, and you can tell me and share one of your experiences too, Eric. I would love to know just what it's been like for you when you really put that into play, when you have experimented, I love that you, that you brought that in like, like this, the, I, I don't remember the term you uh, said, but this laboratory, this experimenting with how are things going to play out if I act this certain way. And just recently I, I had this situation where I was really upset over and I wasn't showing up well at all with it. And it was I kept fighting myself to allow myself to, to rise to a higher state. And the, you know, and I love having my husband because we can talk to each other and work things out and kind of help each other think of things differently to show up better. But um, what, what helped me it was something that he said, and it's really getting a bigger picture of things don't last forever. And like we talked about, change is the only constant. So this, this feeling, this uh, situation 
is not going to last forever. And, and it really helped me to be like, okay, I don't need to, I don't need to stay in this feeling and this emotion because I, I can look at it in a different way. And who do I really want to be? And, and, and when we talk about energy, because we're energetic beings, we all know that a smile is contagious and it's the exact same thing. Whatever way I'm showing up as is going to reflect onto other people. And so do I want to continue in that toxic feeling that's going to spread or do I want to rise above that? Because ultimately that's really what I want. If we get a bigger picture of what do we truly want and who do we want to be, then are we reflecting that? Right. Do we, do we truly and honestly want to be the change that we want to see in the world? Yeah. Almost, almost to a person, everyone sees a way that they think the world would be better. But on a micro level, how do we do that just in our interactions with the man or woman in the mirror? Like we need to be it in those small moments. Some of those moments that, you know, feel even uncomfortable sometimes. And uh, that really is the power of now and being mindful and being fully present in the moment. And part of that is not allowing some of these disruptions or mean words or scathing comments to do the same kind of damage that they've done in the past. If we want to be the change that we want to see in the world, we will respond differently in that moment. And that's where it's like a little mini vaccination where we're able to, once we overcome a little one like that, we become more resilient. We become a little bit more adroit or adept at being able to navigate tricky or hurtful comments on ourselves to our family. Um, so it's little practice labs for us to try and truly grow as opposed to default back into um, just toxic, traumatic language that um, we've mm. been trapped in before. Yeah. Toxic or sorry. <laughs> what did you call it? Labs. Um, yeah. Mini vaccination again. labs. Yeah. Mini vaccination labs or learning labs, research and that's development fun. labs. Yeah. That's so fun. I, I just love that you, that you say it that way. It's very fun. Now, Eric, it has, it's been so great to have you on the show. You're just so full of wisdom and enlightenment. I love having you here and I, I want to know a little bit more. Let's share with the audience a little bit about what you're doing in the world right now. You've talked about how you, you do travel the world, you speak on stages, you do graffiti, which I think is really cool. And, and I wanted to uh, state a, a memory that I had revolving around graffiti because in I've grown up in the U.S. And so when you see it, like you mentioned, it's really viewed in this negative aspect where it's criminalized and, you know, the people who are doing it are are not in a good place and they're doing um, making art that isn't really beautiful. Now, I have really seen that shift an immense amount in the locations that I've been in in the U.S. since you know, my younger years. And the first time that I experienced graffiti in this beautiful light, this artistic light was when I traveled to Amsterdam when I was 18. And so I saw it completely different where it was just all over the place and it was beautiful and it was truly in a form of art. And so I was able to look at it in a completely different light at that age. And so it sounds to me like you're really trying to create that in different pockets of the world where it's not yet viewed that way and trying to bring to light this, this beautiful aspect of it. I use um, art kind of this concept of, of day trading 
um, for people's attention. Take, you know, what's current or hot in the language and the news and what's going on and to create or shape art around that, that I would like to share this particular angle or view um, that maybe is not, you know, the first default that we go to, but it's, it's insightful. Maybe it's clever. Maybe it's satirical. Maybe it gets people to talk. And so that's where I pursue art as a catalyst. Um, and like I said, art evokes thought. If I can, if I can evoke thought, if I can be provocative with a purpose, if my art is for this love that I want to share with the world, then I feel like we're getting back to what um, I think one of the really healthy, good elements of street art, graffiti, sharing, art, music, poetry, song, photography, you know, all of these things have that same potential to be both good or bad. So I want to be a, a, a beacon of hope and use it for good and to be modeling that on macro global scales um, so that others see it in that same way, use their humanity, use their art, use their mind as a loving tool or vessel to help heal others as opposed to just angry violence or creating um, disruption, toxins. Um, I want to show and model a different way of uh, sharing art. Yeah. Well, you certainly are. And I, you know, when, when the audience here listening starts following, you'll see all of the beautiful creations that come across the feed with Eric. And, you know, I think that that is really important as well, because so many of us are, are looking at, you know, social media and it's truly what you decide and choose to have going on that feed, what you want to see, what you want to surround yourself with, what energies. And yours certainly is, is one of the greater ones. And so I appreciate it immensely because I, I don't always scroll a lot to see uh, so much content, but it is a part of uh, what I do. And so I, I do appreciate what I see when it's something that in, entails art or great things quotes that are said and things that can really engage my thought on, oh, that's really clever. And that that makes me think. And now I want to show up in that way and contemplate things differently. So I appreciate that. And I want to make sure everyone knows where to find you. So it's going to be in the description below. So all of you tuning in and those of you who are listening, the website is www.theartofvision.com. Again, that's www dot the art of vision dot com. Eric, is there anything else that you want to share with our audience today? You have been, again, such a light of inspiration already. I, I'm so grateful for this opportunity. You know, we never know exactly how these are going to go. I didn't have those things got preordained that I wanted to talk about. Those are some of the things that are first and foremost on my mind for me. And I just think as we're moving into these holidays, as we're moving into AI as we're moving to global warming, global warring, there's a lot of challenges that are going to be confronted this upcoming holiday season. So those things are on the front of my mind, and I'm just grateful for the opportunity to, to share. And if any portion of it uh, helps someone else somewhere along the way, then it was time well spent. Yeah, absolutely. You came in with no expectations, <laughs> right? Uh, mm -hmm. I love that. And uh, really living in the moment and in curiosity. So you have really brought so much perspective to the audience here today, Eric. Thank you again. You've been wonderful. And welcome back. 
to the Wellness Driven Life Show at any point. So we would love to have you share more because I know as you continue to grow and become enlightened yourself, you're going to have so much more to share with us. And uh, thank you to our audience. Without you, the show wouldn't be possible. So thank you so much. And I hope everyone has a beautiful, happy holidays. Happy holidays to all. Goodbye for now. And we will see you next time.